I mean, I never attached too much importance to 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 getting credit. You know, the credit for me, it's how the guests are going out of the restaurants every night. Once you, you know, people getting connected between the front of house and the guests, that's for me, it's, uh, that's the credit. That's, I don't need anything else. To my own shock and amazement, I've somehow racked up 500 episodes of Dirty Linen. Uh, yeah, I can't really believe it. But I wanted to mark the occasion. I think it's important to celebrate milestones and so often I'm just tumbling from one deadline to the next. So I wanted to pause, reflect and do something really special. What I am doing is spending a week at Voudemont, a restaurant in Melbourne that is a special place for milestones for many people, a site for parties and anniversaries and proposals and special birthdays. Um, I've really enjoyed going to the restaurant over its 20 plus year history across three different venues, first in a small restaurant in Carlton, then a grander chambers in the city, and now to the 55th floor of the Rialto building. Um, certainly a restaurant with a lot of presence and I think really enjoying a purple patch um, in recent times uh, with Hugh Allen at the helm and an absolutely extraordinary talented team. Uh, one person who is an important part of that team and a, and a really key uh, deliverer of the experience at Voudemont is Dorian Guillon. Dorian is um, uh, has extensive experience in wine. He's what he he has attained master sommelier status, which is. Um, yeah, just a very rare and exalted status in the world of wine, wine knowledge, wine waiting, wine delivering wine experiences. He's head sommelier at Vudemond and it is an absolute honour to have him on the show. Welcome, Dorian. Thank you, Danny. Thank you very much. Honoured to be uh, on your podcast. And uh, yeah, thanks for, for having me. Very exciting. I... I love being looked after you in the restaurant. I love the way that you talk about wine. Uh, but I feel like you obviously know so much and I know so little. How do you balance your knowledge and experience for with the guests that come before you who have, you know, very different knowledge and experience? Yeah, so, I mean, I always try to think of myself when I started as well and how overwhelming the uh, the wine world could be. So uh, I was very excited when learning about wine, but obviously at the start, there's a lot of new words, a lot of vocabulary, a lot of uh, new region to discover. So it's, it's, it's a lot to take on board. So I always try to put myself in the guest's shoes and to read the table as well, see how much they know about wine and how much should I push uh, you know, the knowledge and, and then really trying to uh, adapt myself to, to the table and to the guest. Uh, so that's something that uh, we put a lot of effort on is not to, you know, we're here to look after our guest. We're not here to just uh, educate the guest and show off our knowledge. That's, uh, we, we are always driven by hospitality first rather than just showing off uh, the knowledge because sometimes can be very overwhelming. Uh, so yeah, definitely. I mean, um, what sort of what would you like someone to leave Vudemond thinking about the wine experience that they've had? Um, well, first, I want them to be happy. I think that's the most important. I want them to have a good time. 
Uh, that's the most important. And then uh, if they could have discovered, I want them to enjoy, you know, that's, that's very simple, that's very basic, but for me, that's the number one rules, you know. It's if you go for a wine pairing, I want you to enjoy the wine pairing. So it means that we have done our job to select the wines that were supposed to go with the food. And then the addition will be the personality of the sommelier and the introduction of the wine by the sommelier. And uh, I think that will contribute well to the experience. We, you know, we, as a sommelier, we try to kind of season the experience of the guest uh, from a different angle. But obviously for the people that will go for a wine pairing, that will also always be very, very important. So um, if it's just for a bottle of wine, then... We just want to make sure that we have selected the right bottle of wine for, for the guests, you know, depending on their budget, depending on their uh, experience with wine. So that's what we, we try to do, really. I mean, is budget, I think sometimes people feel like budget is a dirty word. You can't talk about how much you want to spend. Like, how do you sort of negotiate that tricky territory? Yeah, so um, it's actually... Uh, more simple that, you know, sometimes we overthink it. Uh, but if someone is asking me for, I don't know, let's say a bottle of Chardonnay from Burgundy. Uh, you know, Burgundy can be quite expensive. But on the list, we always making sure, that's also something that we look at almost every section of the list, that we have uh, wines at every price point of you know, good quality uh, at every price point. That, that's very important. So, what I will tend to do is to propose three options uh, to the guest that's asking me uh, that question. So I will go for, you know, uh, entry-level regional style of Burgundy, and then I will maybe go for a village wine or Premier Cru. And just by the reaction of the guest, I will have an idea of what kind of budget is looking at spending. It's going to give me more information out of the three options that I'm going to give him. And then from there, we can start to talk and and then you know, explore the different options for him. Um, it, it's clear from the moment you enter Vudemon that wine is a very important part of the experience. So you, you come in through this um, sliding glass door and you walk through a cellar before you enter the restaurant. So there's definitely this signal that wine is important. And I suppose, you know, I love sitting at the table and drinking wine, but I know nothing about the effort that goes into creating that cellar, creating the list. Can you give us an insight into that? Um, yes, yes, yeah. It's uh, it's an it's an amazing setup. To be honest, I work in, in few uh, obviously a few uh, venues back in Europe before I came in Australia, and I must say that's the that's the biggest setup I've worked with, and uh, that's an amazing tool as a sommelier to uh, to work with. So we're really trying to explore that uh, as much as possible. Um, so you know the background, you know it's it's. Uh, First, we have to research for wine. So we are in uh, constant contact with uh, our suppliers who are in charge of importing wines. They have long portfolios. And through that, we're going to dig, we're going to test, uh, you know, wines repeatedly, repeatedly sorry, uh, new vintages or new arrivals. And then we're going to select what we think could fit the wine program at Vudemont. Um, so then we're going to, you know, order the wines and then every week we're going to organize uh, the team to organize the wines in the cellar. So new reference in the cellar, moving the cellar around, the bottles around the cellar, sorry, uh, to uh, to just put them 
uh, upstairs on level 55. So on level 55, we will have about one or two bottles of each wine on the wine list. And all the way downstairs in the building, uh, we'll have another wine cellar where we keep a little bit more quantities of each wines. So that's kind of the basics. And then obviously to manage uh, such a big wine list, we need to emphasize the education of the sommelier team behind because when you have such a big wine list, you know, there's a lot of questions that can uh, pop from the customer. So we got to be ready. We got to be confident with our knowledge of the wine list and the producer that we are representing on the wine list. I think that's, that's very important. I mean, how do you do that? Is there like quizzes? <laughs> do you just? Yeah, actually, there is. Actually, there is. We will invite you in one of those one day. Yeah. <laughs> but but you know we do, so uh, we do a briefing uh, with the entire team uh, before we go to service, and then the sommelier will actually go in the cellar, and then uh, we will question each other. So we we'll do a little debrief of our sommelier service as well because. You know, we talk about things that doesn't really concern others uh, most of the time, little details, you know, that we try to adjust in terms of timing of service or one pairing. So, you know, just little details. And then after that, we will uh, choose a subject every week, every single week. We have a subject and we are studying that subject. And so what is exciting is that there is, uh, it used to be a bigger team, but uh, still there is always one or two somebody in the team that is generally studying for something. So we gonna focus on helping that uh, sommelier to achieve uh, a good result at the exam. So we're gonna focus on what is, uh, what is necessary for him to um, to be successful. So generally, we're going to cover like, you know, the subject that is kind of lined up on a calendar and then we'll just ask questions to each other. What's an example of what some of these subjects? Oh, it could be um, uh, give the uh, the Grand Cru of Chablis. If it's a Burgundy, you know, it could be, I'm going to name a Premier Cru called Les Souchots. So you're going to have to locate the village of uh, the Premier Cru Les Souchots. Uh, you know, it could be the uh, old vine charter of uh, Barossa Valley in South Australia. Uh, so it's just covering multiple subjects. It can be viticulture and vinification subjects, a uh, lot of geography, a lot of grapes knowledge. Um, so it doesn't sound like it's important, but I mean, it is, sorry, but it just doesn't sound like maybe you're going to use that at some point. But throughout conversation with the guest, you know, some guests, they know very well about wine. They're very passionate about Burgundy. We have a few uh, people who collect wines as well. And then uh, by knowing that Les Souchots is a great premier cru of Bonne Romanée, when you're going to open a bottle from the cellar, we're going to test it. You're going to try to make a memory uh, inside your brain about having tested this, this premier cru Souchot from a certain producer. And maybe that's an experience that you can share with a guest that is very passionate about Burgundy. So that's a way to enter a conversation with someone who knows quite well about wine. Or simply, if someone really wants to discover Burgundy and has a pretty good budget, well, what can you recommend as a sommelier? Well, you know, I've tested the uh, Premier Cru Les Souchots from Bon Romanet not too long ago, and I thought it was a fantastic bottle. You can describe it, and here we go. You are able to sell with confidence to a guest. So that's how this knowledge can can um, really be useful is uh, by having the theory and then through your experience on the floor, opening, testing bottles, 
you can start to relate to it and then share this kind of experience and contribute to the guest experience with your, with your own experience, let's say. And do you enjoy serving a particular type of customer more? Like, do you like the, the customer who really knows a lot and you can go to the outer edges of your knowledge? Or do you like um, people like me who forget everything as soon as they finished but love it along the way? I know what you mean. I think, to be honest, as a sommelier, we have to stay extremely humble because it's very easy to just, you know, it's happened many times where you go in a restaurant and you just have a sommelier that is doing a, a monologue, you know, he just wants to demonstrate his, his knowledge. But that's not what we are about. We are about hospitality and we are about making sure that the guest, you know, we often say at Vudemont, whenever the guest is coming, make sure you welcome him like if he was in your house. Uh, obviously with, you know, professionalism. But the idea really is to make the, fi- the, the guests feel comfortable. So as a sommelier, I should really adapt to each table. And for me, it's, I take pleasure at both sides. <coughs> Sorry. I take pleasures of just introducing wine to people who don't know too much, but I'm making sure they have a good time. So, you know, I don't have to explain all I know about the region, about the wine, because that's pointless. That's overwhelming for the guest. Uh, but I also enjoy, obviously, having a bit more conversation. And I often find myself, in the same evening, just having to change hats from one table to another. And that's also a skill to have, is you need to adapt to each table. And that's a very nice challenge that I, I still really much enjoy nowadays uh, to make sure that I change a little bit what I'm going to talk about and how I'm going to behave at each table. I uh, love it, Dorian. So how did you get into this caper? Give us a sense of your background. Uh, so I'm from France, which I'm sure you can you can hear. <laughs> uh, so I'm from the Loire Valley in France. And uh, actually, like, a lot of French family. Uh, my, I'm from middle class background, so my family didn't didn't drink much wine. Um, or if they drink wine, they drink pretty cheap wines. My grandmother used to actually cut uh, a glass of red wine with water. Uh, my mother didn't drink. And my stepfather uh, drink a little bit, uh, but you know it's a little bit every day, but it's pretty cheap basically. So I was never really exposed to to vineyards and the world of wine as such. Um, and then when I was in my early twenties, I decided to move to London, um, and then because I couldn't speak uh, great English, and then so I started to work in restaurants as a kitchen porter actually, because I was really, my English was really bad. Uh, and then as I work in restaurants, uh, I. Worked a bit as a chef, uh, but then I preferred the front of house. And then so I went to work at the at a bar, and by serving a few wines at the bar, I found it interesting, but I really didn't know anything. But my, my aim was to travel a little bit. So I saved enough money to travel to South America, and uh, I found myself in the region of Mendoza in Argentina, which is like the most important wine region of Argentina. And... Uh, when we were there, we visited a few vineyards, and I just remember hearing uh, a sommelier of a winery talking about wine, talking about geology, the history, you know, what you should test on your palate, and I found that that was really, really interesting. So when I came back to London, I thought maybe that's something I should uh, study and, you know, take an interest into. Uh, so when I came back to London, I kept working in restaurant, but more as a waiter. And I started to study a bit about wine with the Wine uh, Spirit Education Trust. Um, and then I was hooked, basically. So 
I tried to find a job as a sommelier and I was extremely lucky uh, that my first restaurant as a sommelier uh, was dinner by Heston Brumenthal in London. Wow. Yeah, I know. And uh, at the time, so I think we didn't have the first Michelin star yet. So I arrived, I think the restaurant was open for about 10 months, nine or 10 months. And then, um, and then the team was incredible. So uh, that's where I met Carlos as well. And that's, we had the same mentor. We had, uh, uh, our mentor is a, is a gentleman called Joao Pires, who is the first master sommelier uh, of Portugal. And he was very, he's a very experienced sommelier. And is uh, someone that we obviously uh, uh, really uh, looking up to and we learned a lot from him and the team that he was able to assemble together was incredible so there was a lot of people studying for the master sommelier uh, I think out of this team four four people become master sommelier in the years in a few years uh, down the road so a uh, very driven team uh, and, you know very passionate uh, a big will for for you know education and learning so it was incredible so that's where I learned the fine dining environment it was a bit hard because I didn't know that much um, about how to look after guests in this environment. So I studied a lot, uh, obviously, and then I, I worked many, many hours as well. Uh, so that was for a little bit more than two years. Uh, and then after that, uh, I was able to uh, become assistant head sommelier uh, at the Dorchester in a free Michelin star restaurant called Alain Ducasse. So, because I just wanted to have a French experience of a free Michelin star and I was uh, I was very grateful for the opportunity that they gave me there. So I kind of really rediscovered my country through uh, this amazing wine list. And uh, yeah, we obviously uh, uh, selling a lot of Burgundy and Bordeaux and Champagne. Um, so uh, so that was great. And that was the free Michelin star experience. So, you know, a lot of... <coughs> sorry, a lot of... Um, attention to details, uh, you know, every table could be a Michelin star inspector kind of thing. So <laughs> you learn a lot. It's very hard, but obviously you, you learn a lot in this kind of experience. And yeah, and then after that, um, so Carlos and, and, and Hugo were already in, uh, in Melbourne and we both worked at Vudemont, as, uh, sorry, at Dinner by Eastern together. So we kind of kept in touch over the years. And then they, um, yeah, they told me that there was a, a position for me if I wanted to come. So I wanted to move out of, of London. And that was the opportunity that uh, I was waiting for. And, and Melbourne has been home ever since. How would you place Vudemond in this pantheon of dining? Uh, yeah, up there, to be honest. But it's an uh, Austrian experience. So it's, it's totally different to, you know, every restaurant has its own identity and <coughs> kind of a, a service personality, if I might say that. Um, but uh, yeah, Vudemont is up there. And the wine list is, uh, you know, more than, I mean, it's twice bigger than the wine list I was working with at, uh, at Alain Ducasse. So it was within itself an amazing challenge uh, when I came here because there was wine here that I've never seen back in London. You know, there was a, a 40, 1947 Vouvray from Muet from the Loire Valley, which is a wine I was kind of dreaming of tasting one day in my life. And there was one bottle in the cellar. And, uh, and that was amazing. So Vudemont has, uh, you, you know, people know about Vudemont in Europe, but uh, I think we just know about the name. We just know it's one of the best restaurants in, uh, 
in Australia, and uh, obviously we can look at the one list online. So I knew that the one list was very impressive, and uh, I would have a great time just working with it. You know, it would be a big challenge. Uh, but yeah, Villemont has always had a high reputation because I met a lot of people who used to work at Villemont, but then uh, moved to London. So a lot of sommeliers passed by there and told me that it was a great place to work. So I was intrigued, and I really wanted to come here. Wow. But just because a special wine is in the cellar, it doesn't mean you get to taste it. So how did you? Yeah, so <laughs> so well, um, we, we had some great guests. Uh, so we, um, yeah, through the years, you know, I've been there for for six years now. So, uh, you know, we, you know, through the years, we, we were able to, uh, you know, have some great guests that just wanted to treat themselves or their staff, you know, some CEOs wanted to treat their staff or just some regulars. Through the years, there have been, you know, people that just wanted to explore the one list and uh, with, uh, with a lot of passion. So, yeah, we were, we were able to sold those, those bottles, uh, me and some guys in the team. So that's how we kind of just, ex- you know, explore the one list and, and we're able to sell some of those. Um, you know, there's some very passionate people in Australia and and some very passionate people with a with a certain budget. So that's how we were able to 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 sell some of those bottles. And then what's the culture around you having a taste of those special bottles? On that night, I, for that specific bottle, I wasn't there. What? <laughs> I just had my daughter actually at the time. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I remember I was at home and... Uh, just the guy make me the, the the guys in the team made me the surprise that the day after they sold it there was uh, about one quarter of the bottle left wow so, yeah so um so yeah it's just happening you know it's uh, and then it happened with actually a few bottles i think we're just extremely lucky because that's very rare there was a, a 1945 petrus as well in the cellar one day that was sold and it was at the, around the same period actually and then they just sent me a, a message saying, well, we sold this amazing bottle, Dorian. That's, that's, I like, well, that's, that's great. The, the guest is going to, you know, have a great time with that bottle. And uh, they just told me, well, the guest actually left some wine for us to test. So I just put my daughter to sleep. And at one o'clock, I, put my, I, I took my bicycle and went at the restaurant to test it because I know that will be my only chance to ever test that bottle. That's amazing. How was it? Oh, it was incredible. Uh, but for the for the forty five pictures, um, was actually uh, still in very good condition, and it felt like it was made in the seventies. Like there was not too much age on it. Uh, there was still a great food quality, great concentration, and uh, yeah, it just felt much younger than I thought it would be. And for the forty seven uh, Vouvray, which is a Chenin Blanc from the Loire Valley, from my region. Uh, there was much more kind of oxidative character, but uh, still a little bit of sweetness, still a bit of, uh, of fruit and honey notes. And uh, it was more of a, it was time to drink it, I think, but it was extremely emotional to to be able to test that one because it's a very, it's a great vintage in the Loire Valley. It's uh, uh, just after Second World War and it's a very historical bottle, basically. And uh, yeah, so it, w- it was very emotional to actually test that wine and, and to kind of put this in your memory, really. Incredible. So, Dorian, to be a master sommelier, it takes a lot of work. I think it's only 250 or so people have ever attained that status in the world, ever. Um, why go for it and how hard is it 
Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, until I was, uh, you know, until I find the wine world, like that I was passionate about wine, I, I was not sure what to do uh, with my life. So uh, wh when I started to work at dinner, I thought it was just the perfect timing for me because I kind of was feeling that that's finally what I want. I, I know what I want to do finally. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that job as a sommelier and the fact that you can learn every day about wine and kind of, you know, relate the theory to a tasting. So it's kind of, you know, it feeds your brain, but also you're able to physically sense things, you know? So when I was really hooked by that, I was aware a bit about the, the, the master sommelier. It was uh, through, uh, I think there was some guys, there was a guy, uh, it's, it's world famous now, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. is an American, um, an American uh uh, a guy who does a, he's in love business, but he does a lot of uh, motivational videos. So he was actually running the business that his parents established. And he started to be famous online because he was doing wine videos where he had some amazing guests like Genesis Robinson or, uh, with a famous wine writer from England, uh, all the winemakers. And it was just a way online to hear people talking about wine. So I just remember watching a bit of this. And uh, I think at some point he had a master sommelier as a, as a guest. And uh, I was like researching a bit, what is a master sommelier? This, obviously, I, I, I found it incredible what those guys were able to do. And so I was like, oh, it was at the back of my mind. And it was at the same time that, that I found the job at dinner. And then, um, yeah, just after a few weeks and I was completely hooked. And the team as well was just completely driven by, by being better every day. And I was like, okay, that's it. That's, that's the target now. I want to further my education. So I was studying at the same time uh, with the WESET, the One Spirit Education Trust, and with the Court of Master Sommelier. Because I was just saying to my wife, look, I'm going to work very hard for two years, but it might pay off. So <laughs> it's, you might not see much of me, but uh, I will study very hard for two years, and that's what I did. Um, and uh, yeah, after that, you know, once once I had a target in my mind, I was just you know super driven by it, and I done everything to uh, to kind of achieve it. And what do you actually have to do? Like, what is the what's the final hurdle? Yeah, so there's four different levels. Uh, you start at introductory, uh, then you go at what they call certified, which is kind of the level two. And then you have an advanced, which is a bit more demanding, with uh, six wine blind to test as well. And then you have the the master diploma. Uh, so you want you you need to have the three uh, the three previous level in order to access to the um, to the master summary diploma. So. Uh, first, uh, you have to go to London because the exams uh, are only happening there. And then you have a free section. So you have a, a theory uh, section, which is um, all verbal. So you, are, you can't write any of your answers. It's uh, a bit more than 100 questions, uh, and you have to answer within 30 seconds. Uh, and it's about the world of wine, uh, and it can be anything. And then... Um, after that, there's another section, which is the service section, um, where you have different stations when you enter a room, and the room is full of master sommeliers. So it's extremely stressful, and that's what it means to be. It means to be a stressful environment to test how you know skills you are and how you can actually stay calm within stressful uh, situation. And there's a lot of traps and different questions to answer, maybe a few a few blind testings and, and things like that. And then after that. Um, 
uh, one, I mean, what is recognized to be maybe the hardest because that's um, where people fail most of the time is the blind tasting of six wines. So it's generally three whites and three reds. Uh, and that's to test in uh, 25 minutes. And uh, yeah, you need to achieve 75% of good answer in every single one of the section to, to pass the master. I am really stressed just listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds stressful, huh? <laughs> How do you feel when you attain that? Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a big relief. Uh, so you just, you know, just celebrate. I think it's, you know, you just think about all the sacrifice you made and it's very emotional, you know. It's uh, because, of course, it's not just your journey. It's all the people that uh, you have put in this journey as well. Obviously, you think first about your family. You know, my, my wife sacrificed a lot for me to, to be able to, uh, to go there. And then, uh, obviously, you know, instead of going out sometime on the weekend, I just stayed home to study. So there was a lot of that. Uh, and just the support of, you know, all the team. Because uh, I was at Vudemont. I started, I was still in England. Uh, but the biggest hurdle for me was the, was the theory. And then, so I was at Vudemont for the, so the first year I was in London, but in the next two years, because it took me three years to pass it. The next two years I was at Vudemont. So, you know, the team was very supportive. And so obviously you think a lot about your team, your family, and just you're happy to kind of bring the prize home for all of them. So it's, they're happy for you, but it's also really for everyone, I think. <laughs> mm. I mean, what do you think, Dorian, about the recognition that front of house in general and sommeliers in particular get? I mean, in you know, in my game, you know, writing about restaurants, there's often a lot of focus on the food and perhaps less on the service, unless you know something is perceived to have gone wrong. I mean, do you do you feel uh, that people such as yourself could get? more credit for what they do um yes i mean yes but it's i mean i never attach too much importance to 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 getting credit you know the credit for me it's how the guests are going out of the restaurants every night when i see smiles when i you know when i see handshakes when i see hugs actually it's happening more often than you would think um when I see you know people getting connected between the front of house and the guest, that's for me. It's uh, that's the credit. That's I don't need anything else. I I know what we are capable of doing, uh, and then obviously we also here because you know the chef are, are trying to create an amazing menu. So we we here to really support that, but also you know add to the experience by how we deliver, how we deliver the food, how we make people feel. That's extremely important because you could have the best menu in the world. But if you have the worst service and people that makes you feel like you are not welcome, believe me, the food won't taste the same and it won't be the same experience at all. So, you know, it's, uh, it's for me, it's obviously that's my life. So it's, it's my career. So it's uh, as important as the food, uh, the way you deliver it, the way you are, the way you behave with people. And uh, especially in restaurants like Vudemont where the menu are very expensive. You know, it's a lot of money for a lot of people that uh, just sh uh, save money uh, before they come to Vudemont to uh, a lot of times celebrate uh, things like birthdays or anniversaries, very important dates for them. So it's not just the food, it's the entire experience. And the front of house will have a very big role that makes those people feel extremely welcome, especially some people that don't really go in finding restaurant often sometimes don't know how to behave. So it's a little bit underwhelming. So it's very important for us to be able to break the ice 
you know, it's important that you, you see some smiles everywhere around the world because uh, that's contagious. When you have, you know, people that serve you, that are smiley, that have good attention, good attitude, then it changes the entire experience. And actually, even how the food test, I think the food tastes 10 times better if you have a great service. <laughs> it's true. So when you say people don't know how to behave, you mean they're so overawed by the experience they don't they're not a, they don't let themselves relax. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <clears throat> and I think um, I mean I think in Australia we overall a bit more relaxed than in Europe, but it was even more like in Europe. It's you know some restaurant can be very impressive, so you you can't really relax straight away. Um, but yeah, I think Vudemont has this kind of you know it's. He's got a reputation as one of the best restaurants in the world. So even though people are coming to spend a lot of money, they're still not too sure how to behave in this kind of environment. They just don't know if they should ask certain things or they don't know, you know, uh, just, you know, they don't feel comfortable working for the restaurants or they don't feel comfortable asking about an element in a dish or, you know, things like that. It's, it's little details, but if we can you know, manage expectation and go above the expectation by just reading the table is like, oh, you know, uh, madam, I, I heard yeah, you were asking, you know, about this ingredient, but let me tell you what it is, for example. Uh, I don't know, it's just, it just, you know, a feeling. It's more a feeling than anything else. So you see when we, I think with years of experience, to be honest, we are able to read uh, body language pretty well. And so we can sense those things. And it's up to us to adapt to uh, But that's something that comes with experience, to be very honest with you. I mean, it's so interesting, Dorian. It's like you said, you know, you're in your early 20s. You still didn't know what you were going to do with your life. And, and here you are. You're, an, you know, an absolute leader in the field and so expert and, you know, del- helping people feel great at, at, in moments that are very important to them. I mean, do you feel like it's... I mean, how do you reflect on your journey? Like, do you feel surprised or lucky or this is what you were born to do? Like, how do you think about it? Yeah, just very lucky. I think, you know, I think when I was in that place where I was not sure what to do, uh, obviously traveling to South America really made me reflect about, you know, I was just young and not sure, you know, so make give me a lot of time to think about myself and that, yeah, maybe it's time to find something. And I was just lucky to that one came my way at that time. But also remember when I was doing those jobs that I actually didn't like, and I was like, there must be terrible to do something that you don't like. I just don't see myself doing it. So it's almost like, you know, a little bit depressing and I, I could never imagine myself doing something I don't like. So it's uh, when one came, it was, uh, it was a lifesaver for me <laughs> because it just opened the doors for, for something exciting, for an exciting journey. I was not sure where it was going to take me, but, you know, I'm extremely grateful for where it took me and, and uh, yeah, I'm still really enjoying the journey, to be honest. Awesome. Well, Dorian, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. I've really enjoyed being looked after by you um, every time I've had the privilege of, of that happening. Um, so I look forward to, uh, yeah, more glasses of wine um, that you direct me to and I'll try very hard to remember them. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Danny. Uh, thank you very much for, for having me on your, on your podcast. That's, uh, I'm very grateful for that. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, 
get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.